Welcome to Late of the Rings, a podcast dedicated to Lord of the Rings the card game. My name's John, and here's my co-host. Do not let him speak, he will put a spell on you. It's Emery. <laughs> his star. Ah, don't, 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 don't let him speak. <laughs> I told you to take his star. <laughs> I've um, been trying to put a spell on people for many years, but it never seems to kind of work. Hmm. Kind of get a, get a funny look and <laughs> they send me on my way normally. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm all right. How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Good, good, good. We're recording again relatively quickly. So, uh, you know, let's hope we can keep this up. But uh, in this short time again, have you been up to anything nice? Oh, goodness. Well, <laughs> I won't go into lockdown shenanigans like we normally do. Yeah, no, I know. What could be going on? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I did do? I, yesterday, I went for my first run in four years due to various injuries. Oh, the four-year gap was due to various injuries. It Correct. wasn't you. You didn't go for it due to various injuries. <laughs> yeah, I'm terribly injured. I must go for a run. <laughs> uh, just run, just run it off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling aches and places where it, it, it shouldn't be happening. <laughs> but were, 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 was it a successful run? Was it was it cross country or was it short distance? It was. Uh, I ran to my local park. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you were going to say local pub. I thought you were going to say local pub. <laughs> God, that's where I went wrong. Because <laughs> they've they've reduced the closing hours, haven't they? They brought it earlier, so you had to run there. <laughs> yeah, and then run home. <laughs> yeah, they're closing the pubs here now at ten o'clock. And what they're also doing is because they're televising all of the football games. Not sure if you read about this. Like there was a game due on Monday, which was going to kick off at eight fifteen. That meant that it was going to finish. The final whistle will be going just around five past ten. <laughs> <laughs> so they've actually brought the kickoff of the game forward to eight o'clock because the pub shuts at ten. <laughs> that shows. I think if there's anything you want to know about British culture, I think that story probably sums it up. <laughs> That is it on the nose right there, isn't it? Goodness me. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, someone once said to me um, that the the Brits drink like someone's trying to take it away from them. (laughs) Yeah. And I simply explained it is because that's what they are trying to do. I mean, we've had crazy licensing laws for years and years and years, and it is a race against the clock. You know, it's not enjoyable. It's a mission. Is this? I think, yeah, yeah, right. And uh, I think both. I think it's also kind of um, defined by the world wars too, uh, isn't it? Is it true? Is it a fallacy or is it true that the, uh, the closing times for, for pubs were actually introduced? Um, yeah, because of blackout, etc. During the war, I have heard this, and I was about to say I think that's a fallacy, but uh, I can't remember. I mean, obviously, I wasn't alive, but. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we had rationing afterwards so maybe it's a combination of those things <laughs> yeah no but there, there there is something but i also i love the the mentality is that we we close early because the brits can't handle um like drinking into the early hours because we start fights and the like so what we'll do is we'll close all the pubs and bars at exactly the same time yeah put everyone on the street at once <laughs> but everyone's just sculled four drinks in a row <laughs> Because they had to, and then they're a little bit knocked off because there's no more drink to be had. Yeah, great, 
Great thinking, that. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Um, okay, so you went for a run. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I did not run to the pub. Um, it was very nice, actually. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to need a few more of those under my belt, I think, before I can <laughs> get back to any level. How about your good self? Um, what have you been up to? Well, yeah, well, not a lot, to be honest. I mean, I know it sounds a bit dull, but um, actually you did remind me of something I did do because you reminded me by the fact that you didn't run to the pub was um, I, I like a tipple, you know that. Um, and this week there was like a, a last burst of sunshine and at the same time the nights were already starting to draw in. It was starting to get cold, starting to get dark. And I decided that I would investigate dark rum. <laughs> Hold on. Is, is there a link between those two things? Oh, so that was the sound. It's getting dark. Well. Therefore, dark rum. No, well, no, not really. No, but basically, because oh. I've never really explored rum as a choice of drink. But no, same here, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's due a resurgence, to be honest, because it's like most sort of strong liquors and actually most drinks in general is that if you buy cheap, you pay for it. So but if, you, if you're willing to sort of invest some time and actually work out what the, the good stuff is, that it can be like hugely rewarding. And I figured this must be the case with rum because I've had some bad experiences with rum. And of course, there are cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, okay, you know, I, I, I like the idea of all things sort of Caribbean and things like that. So I figured, like, well, rum should be something I should try and embrace. So I did a little bit of investigation um, and I ended up actually buying a bottle of Venezuelan rum. Oh, hello. Yes, exactly. Who'd have funk it? But, no, but the whole idea that it was still quite sunny and the nights were drawing in, I was thinking, well, actually, I can sit out in the sun and enjoy a rum. In in the yeah, in in the right, so, yeah. in the sort of Caribbean style, and then as the nights drew in, I could sit inside and enjoy a rum. <laughs> so hold on, did you have a? Would you just have a, like a rum? Or did you have a rum cocktail? Or no, no, it... no, no, no. I just sipped it. It's a sipping rum. This is what this is uh, what I proper. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to investigate because of course I've had it in drinks, and of course that's fine. But I, I thought there must be a nice rum out there and apparently there's loads i did a little bit of research and then uh and then bought the first bottle i saw um (laughs) but how was it oh it was was wonderful i am now a rum convert oh and of course the other good thing about rum is that if it's sunny if the nights are drawing in it works for both of those also i can pretend to be a pirate (laughs) (laughs) it's ticked all of your boxes absolutely so yeah what have i done for the last week or so yeah, drunk rum. I've sat at home and drunk rum. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely true, though. I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy the occasional spirit myself. <laughs> I haven't got round to rum yet. So it's definitely true. It's, it's like I remember being in the States a few years back and trying a few sort of rye whiskeys, for instance, where normally it's not considered like a sipping drink. Mm. But if you get the right kind of ones, actually, there are some really nice ones, which you can just sort of sup on and... It's, and, and it's a great way to drink as well, I think. If you've got a nice, good quality glass or something, you can just slowly sup at it. And, yeah, 
It's a gentleman's tipple. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's a nice way to, yeah, while away the evening. <laughs> while away your life. <laughs> okay, so inadvertently, we've both been up to drinking. In fact, you haven't at all, but I managed to turn what you've been up to into drinking. <laughs> I drank some water. <laughs> yeah, I guess that has been one of the strange things about lockdown. Um, I think sort of going out drinking is obviously a big part of socialising over here, I guess, for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, that's barely happened, obviously, this, this well, for months. So yeah, just trying to think of other things to do. It's really odd. Can't think of anything yet. <laughs> well, there are people out there who are socialising again, but it's, I don't know. My sensible brain is too sensible for it i think it's just i'd just rather find other ways to drink <laughs> than than risk my health that is such an oxymoron <laughs> i'm drinking for my health yeah. that's one of the greatest self-justifications we've had in recent times <laughs> why do you drink so much for my health <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm considering taking off smoking again <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um uh, yeah and other than that i've been playing some lord of the rings which you know as we said before is a boon when recording a podcast of of such a nature um and i've been playing the uh the quest we're going to talk about today um so yep this episode is indeed a spoiler episode where we'll be discussing a quest in depth and the quest we'll be discussing is the hills of emin muel oh god here we go the hills of Emin Muel? The hills? I I like to call it the hills. <laughs> I've struggled with it. Is it the hills of Emin? See, I don't want to say mule because it's not a mule. It's cut, and it's not Muel because there's no W. It's mule. I, mule. At the end mule. of the last episode, I think I got it. Pretty good, but now I've lost it. The hills of Emin Muel. Oh, the hills of Emin Muel. No, I had a right. <laughs> Listener, go back to the end of last episode. Listen to how I pronounce the name of the quest. That's what we're discussing today. The hills of Emin Muel. Hills of Muel. Um, so uh, we, we will co- we will continue to try and work out how to pronounce the name of this quest. However, if you do not want spoilers for this quest, then um, you're probably better off just skipping the entire episode from here on in. But if you don't mind spoilers, or indeed you have played it, then we are going to start discussing it from now. Which is the quest we're discussing, Em? Uh, the Hills of Emin Well. Oh, that wasn't close, bad, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Seven out of ten. <laughs> uh, I have with me the insert sheet. Oh yeah, the trust the, tr- the trusty insert sheet. It's, there's not much information on this at all, actually, for this one. Do you want me to read it out? Well, if there's not much, there's not much. Okay, the hills of <clears throat> difficulty level four. <laughs> Okay, so what it says is, pursuing Gollum to the south, the heroes were led to the hills of Emin Will. I can't believe it made me do it again right away. That was good. That was a good one. Let me continue. (laughs) But 
But there, the leads grew cold. Somewhere in this region, Gollum is hiding, and the heroes must explore carefully to regain the trail and resume pursuit. Then it just describes which cards we play it with. And that's all it says, apart from it's got a little section here which says strategy tip. Oh! Do we want to hear this now? I, I don't know. Hmm. Let me just have a quick look. Um, <laughs> that's good radio. <laughs> just you reading to yourself. Please talk amongst yourselves. Um, the first five words on the strategy tip are the name of the quest. I really don't want to go there again. But um, <laughs> it does... Um, you know what? No, let's let's come back to this because it's a bit... Well, shall, shall I read it? It's a bit odd, actually. Let me read it. Let me read it. Okay. Read it out. So, read it out. Strategy out. tip. So, the Hills of Eminwil is played with an extremely location-heavy encounter deck, and its single quest card reads, Players cannot defeat the stage unless there are no Eminwil locations in play, and they have collected at least 20 victory points. This means that both of these conditions must be met before the players can win the game. They must also place the single progress token on the quest card itself to do so. It's quite an over-elaborate kind of explanation. It is a bit. I mean, it's a bit of a giveaway as well. I I don't like the fact it says it's location heavy. I'm glad I didn't read that when I played it first. No, I agree. But then there's a a second paragraph to this as well, which says... um, It says, put these cards in your deck and you can win. And then the last line is, in fact, don't bother with us at all. <laughs> Just go on to the next one. It says, it says, this may seem to be an impossible task for some players, but the Emin Will locations in the encounter deck have victory points, and this allows the players to collect these locations as they are explored. Because of this, the locations will not be going to the encounter discard pile from which they might resurface later in the game. So remember to collect for victory points and eventually the entire Eminwil region can be explored, exclamation mark. And that's what it says. So I have no memory of this insert and I'm sure I would. I mean, I, I should go and get my copy of follow it. Follow your nose. I, yes. Follow your nose. I wonder, I wonder if this is a, a new addition to, because you, you... It's awful. Yeah. That's a very strange thing to put. I mean, you don't need any of that. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm so glad I never read that before we played. But also, it's very peculiar because this quest is, well, they rank it as a difficulty four. And I would say it's certainly, we're going to come to this at the end, but uh, spoilers for the end of this podcast. I think this is by far the easiest quest we've come up against yet, apart from probably the very, very first introductory quest. And it seems strange to overly elaborate on how you can beat it and that it seems like an impossible task. It just, it, that seems, because no, I, mean, I don't mean like that I shouldn't, I should not belittling it of it being easy. It's more that we've had some really, really tough quests with no help whatsoever. Do you reckon this is your friend Jeremy again in the testing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he struggled with this one as well. He couldn't get his head around the... Uh... There's just locations. <laughs> what was the one he couldn't get his head around? <laughs> I can't remember what it was. Oh, there. no, putting the sacked cards into the... Uh... Oh, God, yeah. God, let's not go back there. <laughs> go, yeah, there's simultaneous equation that you had to solve to get the... Yeah. But, yeah, it's quite odd, isn't it? And to be honest, it also takes away one of the things I just love about this quest. But we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that later. I know I, I, I always say we'll come on to things later. 
but just ha- what I really like about this quest is where it sits in the cycle, actually. Yeah. But yeah, but we'll come on to that. Shall I read for card? Yeah, but I also I'm also not a great fan of the fact that it gives away that there's only one quest card. Well, I suppose that you you discover that immediately when you unpack the pack, but well, I'm not a fan of any of it really. I don't like the fact that it tells you that well, I guess the first paragraph it just tells you yeah, what you see on the card. But then it seems I don't know. It seems slightly condescending, I think, and a bit like, oh, dear, don't don't fear, don't lose hope, um, don't forget to put the cards in your victory display kind of thing. I think that's basically what it's saying, isn't it? But I don't want to know that it's... I, I, the bit I don't like about it is that it says it's location heavy. Don't tell me that before I've played it. No. Let me find out for myself, you know? No. That's yeah, what I yeah. say. So apologies to any listeners who uh, who haven't played this bit. <laughs> well no well we we put a spoiler warning on it that's on them that's already on them um (laughs) yeah this this episode is a spoiler episode and here's the quest and here's how you win it's already in the instructions (laughs) um no but it is a bit strange because actually this was one of my notes i made i mean i certainly didn't read this insert before i played it again but one of the notes i made was that one of the reasons why I did think this quest was particularly sort of simple to beat was that even if you came at it with a attack-heavy deck, you'd only play through it once. In fact, you'd see the one and only quest card and see what you have to do. And you'd soon go, oh, I can't beat it with that. And then you would build a deck immediately, which is based around questing and exploring locations. And then that's it. You've done it. I mean... I mean, sure, there's ways you can tweak around that, but that's the only time I think you'd go, okay, this deck isn't going to beat this. I need to design a deck which can explore. And if you already put that in the uh, insert, then you go, well, okay, I won't even attempt to take my deck, which just beat the previous quest into this one. I will just uh, build from the ground up again. Yeah, it seems very peculiar to me. And also there's like that odd challenge of, quickly realizing that the deck you've put together isn't ideally suited to this particular yeah yeah no, but that's, exa- that's exactly but what i mean got that lovely challenge yeah you got that you said let's see how it goes you yeah know, it's great yeah, yeah exactly yeah i'm with you on that one for 100 percent um okay so let's uh let's well, let's put the insert to, to well let's burn it yeah <laughs> it's gone <laughs> <laughs> um okay so let's jump into the quest and we'll uh we'll, we'll try and put that to one side and uh, okay. go into the rest of this with a, an open mind well, things improve immediately as soon as you see this card. Some lovely, lovely artwork. Wow, oh, yes. Some of uh, I, 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 won't, I won't dive into it. <laughs> so, uh, the first side of the card, the Hills of Eminwil. The hunt for Gollum has led you to the south, and you are now approaching Rauros Falls and the nearby Hills of Eminwil. How many times does it force you to set? I don't know, but you're getting better <laughs> at it. Oh, yeah, I see. Uh, set up. Search the encounter deck for... Amon Hen and Amon Law and add them to the staging area. Then shuffle the encounter deck. So that's what it says on the first side. So Amon Hen and Amon Law. Do you want me to read those out as well? Yeah, I think so. So these are already going to the staging area. So we might as well have a little read of what they're going to do. Okay, so both locations, both unique locations. Both locations. Get out of town. Why didn't someone warn me? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This seems well, this this quest seems a bit location heavy already. 
Um, they they both have a, a threat of X, where X is double the number of players in the game. Same for both of them. They both require five progress to complete. They both have victory points of five each. They both also have one more um, action on them. Amon Hen says, while Amon Hen is the active location, players cannot play events. And the other one, Amon Law, while Amon Law is the active location, treat all attachments as if their printed text boxes were blank. So right away you can see the challenge in those two particular uh, locations. They're obviously, you know, high value. You get both of these locations. That's 10 out of the 20 points you need for the victory points. But you need five to get through them. And obviously you cannot play events on one and you have no attachments in play for the other. Yeah, but also, I mean, it's high value, but you have to get rid of them anyway because you can't win the game unless there are no Emin Mule locations in play. That's what it said on the insert sheet, wasn't it? So you, so you have to explore them. I don't think it said that on the insert sheet. I think it did. <laughs> I, I remember. I don't let him speak, but I remember that he said he spoke, and this is what he said. You may be right. What does it say? Oh, yes, it does say that. Yes, it's in quotes. Yeah, players cannot defeat the stage unless there are no MM Will locations in play, and they have collected at least twenty victory points. Yeah, and when I heard that, I I thought that seems like an impossible task. Well, if we flip over the card. <laughs> To 1B, we see here that we need one progress, <laughs> surprisingly, to complete this. And it says, um, I do love the artwork on this card. It says, you are certain that Gollum has fled into this area and you must explore until you find the fresh trail. Forced, if there are no location cards in the staging area, the first treachery card revealed during the quest phase gains surge. That's a really important rule to remember in this yeah, quest. You, and you have to keep remembering it as well, because it's it, once you get deep into this quest, it's very easy to let that sort of slip your mind. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And the last line says, players cannot defeat the stage unless there are no imminent will locations in play. And they have collected at least 20 victory points. <laughs> <laughs> if only someone had warned us. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like I'm some kind of time warp here. Okay. So there you go. So it's very clear. And so, like you say, you realize straight away that that's the only card in uh, in play. Um, so you know what you have to do right off the bat in this quest. Yeah. We've got to get one progress on the, on the quest card. But apart from that, you just got to get these locations which have victory points, get them explored, and make sure there's no Emin Will locations left in play. Yeah. So there's no, there's not going to be any surprises coming off of the quest cards this time. There's not going to be any nasty quest card three, which makes you instantly lose or reset to quest card two. We know exactly what's got to be done. In fact, we knew before we even opened the pack because it was in the insert. I'll just let it go. I'll let it go. Let the, yeah, let, let it go, John. <laughs> the insert sheet is no more. It's destroyed. <laughs> so what you see here straight away is... You realize on your first go, so you've got two cards in the staging area. They're both, if you're playing solo, um, X is double the number of players in the game. So you've got four yeah. points up there straight away. So you know pretty sharpish that you're going to have to travel, you know, um, 
Yeah, but you, you but like I said, you know that because you have to collect the victory points anyway, and you can't have Emmanuel um, locations in place, so you have to travel. You you have to get rid of them. Oh, well, I suppose you could track them away. What what I meant was, I mean, you might get another location during the uh, quest phase, uh, come off the encounter deck. But what I was really saying is, in all likelihood, you're going to have to travel to one of these locations. That means that either you can't play events yeah. if you go to Amon Hen, or your attachments basically are blank. Now, I always, and I'm not, I'm not sure whether this is correct. Oh, this could be interesting. Yeah, well, my instinct was to go for the attachments one. So I thought, well, I'm not going to have any attachments right at the uh-huh. beginning. So does it really matter? Um, but actually, that is not a blanket rule by any way. And in fact, you can make a very strong argument for the opposite of that. Which I'm going to. Yes. <laughs> well, actually, funnily enough, when I played this last night, I ended up with Amon Hen just sitting around in the staging area right until the end. Yeah, no, but the thing for me is I always feel that um, you're right. You don't have attachments at the beginning. So therefore that location, I forget which round they are, sorry. But that location, which makes your your attachments blank, won't have that much effect. You're absolutely right. But I don't want to be faced with not being able to play events later in the game. So for me, I just want that one out of there. That to me is by far... The greater of the two evils. I mean, let's say I have um, uh, Steward of Gondor on one of my uh, heroes and I'm collecting two extra resources each round. I can cope with not collecting those two for a round or two to get rid of the other one later in the game. But I might not be able to cope with outplaying a test of will or something along those lines to cancel the treachery. So I just need to get that one out of the way when I know I haven't got that much else to go up against. That's my theory anyway. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, well, judging by my experience last night, I had to wait a long time to get to the point where my idea was to not have to travel to Amon Hen, which is the one that stops you from playing events, and see if I could deal with it in the staging area. Ah, uh, okay. But I was only able to do that right near the end. Uh, but I'll talk about the reasons for that and the deck I used when we come to that later. Sure. Yeah, so, okay, I mean, I think there, there are arguments to... You, basically, you do have to get rid of both of them because also those 10 victory points you get from those yeah. two cards are vital. So you yeah. do definitely have to travel to both at some point. And, yeah, I think there's an argument for each way, to be honest. But personally, every time I did it, I went and got rid of the uh, Amon Law. Is it Amon Law? The one with the events? Uh, Amon Hen is the one with the events. Yeah, I went to Amon Hen every time. Okay, I, I tended to go to Amon Law. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I did regret it. I did regret it. So, um, actually, I know the reason for that, uh, and it is to do with my deck. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll okay. jump onto that in a bit. Um, yeah, so basically, well, it's difficult. How are we going to discuss this, really? Because I, I do want us to talk about our decks, because last week we said that we would almost certainly both put together a Rohan deck to face the next quest and i know that we both did but i also know we haven't purposefully discussed what decks we actually constructed yet because we wanted to save it for the cast um so i do want to go over sort of the, the two decks that we made and sort of where they differ and where they're the same but i don't know if that's to do i mean normally we of course we go through the quest stage by stage and look at each little step but actually there are no little steps so i think as long as everyone is aware that 
basically all you have to do is keep on finding locations and the like with victory points until you get 20 of them and during that time you will probably almost certainly put at least one progress onto the quest card that's how you beat this quest so i think actually straight from that there isn't much more to say so i think we can start talking about sort of the encounters that you come up against the different locations and the treacheries and things um because yeah that that's what's stopping you from doing it yeah and where do we want to do we want to well i guess with enemies well yeah it's a short list it's a short list most of them are some of our old friends that we've seen from previous quests in fact i think there's only one new enemy yeah there's one new enemy so i'd only picked out two enemies to discuss here out of the one out of (laughs) out of (laughs) one what (laughs) out of one deck yeah (laughs) Uh, okay so let's well let's talk about them well you want to talk about uh an old oh i know why you want to talk about an old enemy Oh, go on. It's because it's got victory points. Correct. This really helped me yesterday, funnily enough. <laughs> well, uh, my very first note is Chieftain Uftak is a pain to kill, but four victory points are very handy. Yep. <laughs> there he is, Chieftain Uftak. <laughs> so, if you remember Chieftain Uftak, he's from way back when in the uh, corset. So, he's a Dolgulder orc. He's got an engagement cost of 35. He's got a threat of two. He hits for three. He's got three shield. He's a pretty tough guy. And then six hit points. Yeah. Nasty. But, oh, and also, Chieftain of Attack gets plus two attack for each resource token on him. I'm sure people will remember this one. After Chieftain of Attack attacks, place one resource token on him. So every attack he makes, he's hitting you for three, then five, then seven. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. you got to kill him first time. Got to get you. Yeah, got to take him out. But he is worth four victory points. Yeah. So if you're struggling to get all the locations, if you draw this guy, you're better off just to, if you can, just take him out and, uh, yeah, get those four victory points into your yeah into your victory display. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it was the first note I made it because it's actually surprisingly handy. It's, it, I felt like it was almost a... Uh, like a mistake on the, on the site on the behalf of the uh, designers there that they put an enemy in there which has four victory points in a in a quest which is blatantly about exploring locations with uh, victory points but I lapped them up I was very grateful <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was uh, to be honest I hadn't really noticed that until I played it yesterday funnily enough but uh, yeah it did help out a lot so yeah good tip that one yeah, but well, it's a, it's a good tip. But let's face it: if Uftak is there, you've got to kill him anyway, because uh, otherwise he's going to cause you a lot of grief. Yeah, it's true. Okay, and I guess the other enemy then is the only other new enemy, which was the Orc Horse Thieves. Now these guys, their stats are particularly nasty. So they have an engagement cost of thirty-five as well, the same as Uftak. Uh, they contribute three threat. They hit for one. They defend. Oh, hit for one. By the way, that that immediately you go. Oh, okay, not so bad. Not so bad. Uh, they defend for two. But they have a whopping six hit points. So you've got to get eight damage on these guys if you want to kill them in one go. And of course, that's that's not it. Of course, that's not it. So they are Mordor orcs. <laughs> they have doomed two, which is always a pleasure to see. And the orc horse thieves get plus one attack for each location in the staging area. 
Hmm. <laughs> and you can end up with a fair few locations in the staging area. <laughs> Is there anything in the insert that mentions that this quest has any locations? No. No. Okay. Yeah. So I went into this blind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, so these guys can be really nasty, but they can, at the same time, can be relatively easy. But the thing is, even if they just hit for one, which was fine, I was defending with a Snowborn Scout with these guys in the vague hope that it might keep him alive because I had no locations in the staging area. But then if you can't kill him in the first go, which is likely, because as mentioned before, you're unlikely to have an attack-heavy deck, you're going to need a couple of rounds to get rid of this guy, it's pretty certain that a few locations are going to show up. Uh, in in the meantime yeah and it's that lovely thing that this game does which is it's that balance of well you can't commit as many people as you want to the quest because you want to keep them ready for uh, to take these guys out that means that you've got less chance of getting through a location so more chance of another one in the staging area you know and it's just that sort of reciprocal thing yeah it's great i mean but yeah i mean it's the only enemy which comes in the uh Emin Mule deck, but uh, yeah, it, it can be pretty nasty. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about the theme. The Orc Horse Thieves. Oh, I, I love it. They slow you down. This quest is all about a, it's a long trek. And you really get the impression of that playing this quest. Oh, no, for sure. No, no, no. no but that I understand. It slows you down. But why does their attack go up when there are more locations? That's the bit I don't understand. Well, I guess it means that you've got further to explore. You're slowing down, are you? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really think about that. I, I just thought the fact that they were horse thieves. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, that's great. And you've got to have some kind of linkage between, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's all about locations, isn't it? Yeah so, the, yeah, so the locations go up. Yeah, I mean, have they taken... Um... It's more places for them to... Uh, steal horses from yeah well look okay it's actually all right i think we're gonna be hard pushed to find a decent theme here but actually i made also a note about this and i was going to come to this later but might as well come to it right now i think this quest is at times amazing at conjuring up theme but at other times very very poor at it and at first i made a note going the thing about this quest what makes it good is it's all about the theme and then I played a bit longer and I basically crossed that out and wrote, the thing about this quest is it's not about theme. And then I went played a bit more and I went, no, it's all about theme. And actually I've decided it's kind of half and half. <laughs> there, there are some locations which conjure up the theme perfectly and some which completely baffle me. But where I think that they really, really nail the theme is in the treacheries. Now, I, I don't know if we want to go on to those first, or whether or not we should just hit up these locations first. Yeah. Well, we, we can do treachery. Um, there's quite a few locations to go through, so um, and you need locations to complete it. So should, we can talk about treachery first, if you like. No, no, let's do the locations first, because I think, I think that's the aim of the game. The aim of the game is to get through the locations, but I think the treacheries are, are where I think this quest really really nails the theme and i think it's always fun just to talk about the treacheries in the terms of how we got through it as well because those are the things that really really scupper our progress 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's let's look at look at let's we we know we need to get these victory points, and we know that all of them are on locations apart from Chieftain Oftak. So I think we should just sort of go through and see where we can get those victory points from. Okay, so perhaps starting with the lowest sure. victory points, so the Highlands. The lowest. So the lowest is the Highlands. Correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never forget that. <laughs> it has one threat. You only need one progress to get through it. Travel. In order to travel to the Highlands, the players must reveal the top card of the encounter deck and add it to the staging area. Yeah. So straight away, so that's one more card off the deck to travel. Simple um, action. And not too hard to get through. Obviously, it's only, you only need one progress to get through there. But it, and, it's, and it's worth one victory point, that one. Yeah, yeah. It, so it's, it, it, it doesn't help in your victory display that much, but it's one more point, of course. And yeah, it's not that hard to get through. Although actually adding one more card to the staging area, this is tricky. I mean, I tended to just, um, if possible, Snowborn Scout this guy away. Just uh, when that turned up, if I had a Snowborn Scout, play it out. Boom, it's gone. Don't have to worry about its threat. And uh, that's one more victory point. But then I, I had this thing later on whilst playing this through a few times um and this will also come into play about the treachery cards that gained surge is that actually sometimes you don't mind more cards coming into the staging area because you Mm. want to see more cards with potential victory points on so it's Mm. it's it's a little tricky i also had a little bit of a trying to work out whether or not this was easier or harder with one or two players. So, so la- last week you said you liked the fact that, you know, I would, um, well, what was I can't remember the expression you used, but I would basically, you know, hope for the best and just go for it. Let luck be a lady tonight, kind of thing. This was not my experience on the treachery <laughs> at all. But let's talk about that when we get to the treachery. I'd okay. quite, there was quite a comedy, okay, comedy uh, game which took place. It didn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on, let's just to conclude on the Highlands there. Then they're not difficult to get past. Yeah, you're gonna get if you're gonna actually go and travel there. You're gonna get one more card from the encounter deck, and if you can track it away or scout it away in the staging area, then yeah, one more point, one more victory point, and uh, and easy peasy, easy peasy. <laughs> the next one, and uh, I very much like. They're, in fact, these locations generally have some really good artwork on them. Oh, it's beautiful. This one is terrific. This is one thing I think they do really, really nice in this particular quest is that, okay, yeah, it's a lot of exploring of locations, but the artwork really brings you into that world. I mean, you yeah. really feel like you're going through these different places, these different hills. Oh, that's it. And I, I say it before and I'll say, I'll say it again. I'm, I'm not sure this won't be the case for everybody, but yeah, just taking just some seconds... Each time you go to one of these locations, just to look at it and just spend a few, just a couple of moments just absorbing it, it just, the amount that that transports you more and more deeply into that world is so, so worth it, in in my opinion. And actually, in that respect, also take a little moment to think about the theme, if it is there, because actually just taking that moment to work out why this particular location or enemy is causing this effect in a thematic way can also really enhance the game. Um, And sometimes you might realise that it doesn't have any thematic things, but 90% of the time it will, and you'll go, oh, that's so clever, that's so nice. 
So, yeah. uh, and, and I have a few more examples of those, but we'll wait for them to crop up. Cool. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay. Um, right. So the next one is the shores of the Nen Hifoel. I think that's how you pronounce it. And that has a threat of two. Uh, it requires two progress to get through it. Fantastic artwork. Uh, to travel here, the first player must discard one event card from his hand to travel to this location. And that has two victory points. Do you know what? I never saw this card. Oh, really? I had a couple of these yesterday, which... Uh, <laughs> I went there twice. That's how much I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you've never been... Oh, well, actually, do you know what? I did You didn't see want the... to get rid of an event. I did. No, no, no. It's not, it's not so much that. It's just like they didn't crop up. But actually, I think they did crop up, but I was using my deck to basically clear locations without having to travel there but that will come up when we go through yeah. what decks we had okay um the next one is the outer ridge which Ooh. sounds like a american 1950s kind of science fiction show <laughs> the outer ridge yeah or <laughs> it's like isn't that where all the sort of bounty hunter scum and everyone are in star wars but that's the outer rim isn't it oh yeah that's great yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Outer Ridge. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what does the Outer Ridge do? Uh, So this is a threat of two and also requires two uh, progress to get through it. While the Outer Ridge is the active location, each location in the staging area gets plus one threat. So this is a good one to go to when there isn't much else around, obviously. And that's got two victory points um, as well. Now, but you say about this is a good one to go to when there isn't much around. Now, my experience when I was playing this is that because we're only revealing like one card per round, and we start with those two locations, of course. But I was just as soon as a location turned up, I was just going there immediately, and I managed to keep my staging area down to pretty minimal uh, numbers. I, I, I very rarely had to choose where to go. It was just, I'm just going to the next place. Yeah, I think that's been my general uh, experience of this as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you, you find a location you, and, and you go there. And then just taking the travel effect on the chin or finding a way to negate it if, if you have a player card that can do that. Yep, agreed with that. Okay, and, and then victory points on that one? Another two? Uh, two, another two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, the, I, I was always going for the big ticket items. <laughs> well, I've started low. <laughs> the next one is worth three victory points. Oh, now you're talking my language. And this is the famous Rauros Falls. Ah, now this has got bucket loads of theme. Yeah, this is cool, this one. So this has got a threat of two. Uh, it requires four progress to get through it. Yeah, it's tough. While Rauros Falls is the active location... All characters must commit to the current quest during the quest phase. I love it. How good is that? <laughs> yeah, you can't just let a few people sit on the banks. What are those guys doing? Well, they're trying to get away from that waterfall. You've all got to get across. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, back, this one can be nasty. Because if you get an enemy, you know, you might have to, you know, might be in spot Bob at it. Oh, well, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump. I'm gonna okay, jump. you're going to go in. All right. I, I, I've bitten my tongue so many times, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> jump in. You can't. You saw the Rauros Falls and you thought, I'm jumping in. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll wait. I'll wait. Just, no, no. You're just like Lois Lane in Superman 2. <laughs> Do you know, that's not the first time someone said that to me. I know. 
<laughs> no, go on, jump in, jump in, jump in. Go on. No, well... While it's fresh in your mind. All I was going to say, and this, this will come up later, this quest, I think, is the first time we've really seen the encounter deck performing its own combos. And I think this is the, the designers need a round of applause here because the way that the encounter cards work together to basically ruin your day is incredible. And I, I don't think we've really seen it to this level until this quest. And Raros Falls is one of the ones which uh, jumps out at me because, and, and I've got a couple of examples, but let's keep it simple whilst we go through the locations, then we'll come back to the uh, treacheries and our run-throughs. But for instance, Raros Falls states that whilst it's the active location, everyone has to exhaust and commit to the quest. That's what it says you have to do. So that's what you have to do. But then let's say the next card you draw whilst you're at the Raros Falls is your old favourite, the Necromancer's Reach. No, no, no. I, was, I haven't psychologically prepared myself yet for the Necromancer's Reach to discuss that. <laughs> it is. I put it on the top. Of the uh, of the treachery cards, which we're going to talk to. So this <laughs> dirty eye of a necromancer's reach has been staring at me this, during this whole podcast. Well, I knew it was your favourite, so I thought <laughs> I'd just stick the knife in. But just as a quick example, how how yeah. clever is that? It's, you it's, know, it's, it's awesome, and it, it works in so many ways because it works for the treachery. It works if you get another location. It works if you get an enemy. Yeah. It works in everywhere. Because if an enemy comes along and it's engaging you, you're all stuck in the water. There's nothing to do. You're taking an undefended attack. Well, another location is not too bad. You're going to quest past it probably because everyone's committed. Yeah, well, that, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it still works though. I mean, it still oh, works. Oh, it still works. It still works. Yeah, you yeah. Through, yeah. Okay, where have we got to? We've got to this yeah, place, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, the theming is absolutely stunning. That's definitely a, a home run for that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they've nailed that. Yeah. Okay, I promise I won't jump ahead. No, that's no, fine. No, no, please do, please do. I'm just being facetious. Um, the next one is the North Stair, which for ages I kept for some reason, even though it's got pictures of some stairs in it, I kept reading as the North Star. Maybe do a double take almost every time. The North Star. I mean, the North Stair. <laughs> you don't want to be traveling to the North Star. <laughs> it's a bit out that of your way. It's a long way out of your way. <laughs> Snowborn Scout, off you go. The North Star? <laughs> yep. That one. <laughs> Listen to your king. It's very bright. <laughs> That's how the Snowborn Scout speaks. Poor guy. Never had a chance. <laughs> it's going to kill me. Yeah, if you stay here, mate, you're going to die anyway. What? <laughs> Nothing. Aw. It's always getting picked on. Yeah. Snowborn Scout. Oh, yeah. I feel, feel sorry for him now. Well, yeah. Okay, well, no, okay. Right. okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's the North Stair, which got some quite sort of mysterious kind of artwork on it. This is worth three victory points, and you require three progress to get through it, and it's got a threat of three as well. Forced after traveling to the North Stair, move the top card of the encounter discard pile to the staging area. Resolve any when revealed effects on that card. Now, I, I think that's slightly confusingly worded. In what way? In, well, maybe it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Well, the point is, it's not 100% clear, is what I said. Oh, which point? We, we, can, we can clarify it. Well, no, no I, I think I, you know, uh, used it correctly. Basically, whatever was on top of the discard pile, 
I'll just put into the staging area and just treated it as if it'd been uh, revealed from the encounter deck. Yes, yes. Um, the only point that you wouldn't treat it as being revealed from the encounter deck is exactly those words being revealed from the encounter deck. And I'll tell you for why. I've actually got a whole big note about this in my section about uh, rules that could be uh, misinterpreted in this quest. So it's actually it's interesting that you bring it up. Um, I had a very nasty treachery on the top of my discard pile when I travelled to the North Stair and I brought it into the staging area and had to do the when revealed effect. Now, in my hand, I had a test of will, but I'm not allowed to cancel it with a test of will because a test of will stipulates that the card has to be just revealed from the encounter deck. Right. And this isn't. That's very important, actually. You can't cancel those effects because it's not revealed from the encounter deck. Good point. I'm really jumping around. We had such a plan. No, this is good. This is good. No, it's good. It's good. (laughs) Yeah, this made me think about another point of interest, which I've not really thought about, which might be important too. So last week, we talked about the order in which you're meant to put things in a discard pile. Yeah. Now, I always leave the discard pile face up. Yep, as you should. Yeah. That's what you're meant to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you always see what the last card is. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was okay, fine. Yeah. Then I'll be doing that. Okay. Okay. All right. So I think with the North Stair, Ben, you're always going to know what that card is. So you can play this when it's if 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 you know there's something on the top of that encounter discard pile, which is awful, then you're not gonna play it, right? Yeah. But it's got a threat of three as well. So it's it's quite cunningly done again, I think. And three victory points? Yeah. Yeah, you need them. You just got to go. You just got to go. And then the last Emin Will location is the East Wall of Rohan. And this has got a threat of four. Some more great artwork. You only need two to get through this, and it's got three victory points. And it's, it says, while the East Wall of Rohan is the active location, non-Rohan characters cost two additional matching resources to play. Um... Didn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah, I, I, generally that was fine. <laughs> yeah, but only only because, yeah, thank goodness for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, meant that we, which meant that we both went into this quest loaded with Rohan. Full Rohan. <laughs> um, so they're all for locations which have victory points. Uh, so they're the ones you've got to collect. I think the only other card which got victory points on it is one we mentioned earlier, which was Chieftain yeah. of Attack. Um, it's also worth mentioning, though, there are two other locations from yeah. what we've seen before, which is Necromancer's Pass, which is horrible. It's got a threat of three, and you've got to discard two cards randomly to go there. So that can be a that can be a horrible one. Do not get me started. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. well, we discussed this last week. Yeah, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> and the other okay. So this is going to come up, isn't it? And then uh, and then the other one is the Enchanted Stream, uh, which only has a threat of two, but you cannot draw cards when that's the active location. So they're both worth mentioning as well yeah. i think just to bear those in mind well I, I let me just make a quick note on that as well because like i said i've got a few things to mention here it doesn't matter when they come out but what i found was quite interesting is you remember the stipulation on the quest card that states that 
if there are no locations in the staging area, any treacheries that get revealed gain surge. Now, we said this is the one you have to keep remembering because it's quite easy to forget that as you're deep into this game. But if you want to keep a lid on that, and you're desperately trying to collect victory points, of course, you don't want your treacheries to be surging. So I found if you got something like the Enchanted Stream or Necromancer's Pass into the staging area, I just left it there. As long as you knew you had enough willpower to quest successfully, you could just leave it there. There's no point exploring it. You've almost certainly already got your one progress token on the quest card. You might as well just wait for the locations to come out which have the victory points that you actually need. And then what happens by leaving those other locations in the staging area means that you'll never have to surge your treacheries. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that in this quest comes down to when these things get revealed. I think yeah. I think a lot of it I I I don't know whether we want to go into sale, but I found a lot of this quest when I played it previously and revisiting it now, it was really around like once you're into a kind of rhythm Mm. of exploring then you can tend to get on top of the quest and then you can tend to sort of deal with unless you're a bit unlucky yeah. i think if you're going to come a cropper on these things it tends to be in the first few rounds of the game i think yeah you, you know and you might be forced to travel to one of these if it comes up early uh just because you just don't have the questing power to get through and you can suddenly you know you've got too many locations in the staging area yeah and then you're done for already yeah you can't you can't afford to get uh location locked location locked i always forget that phrase location locked <laughs> <laughs> don't never forget that phrase. i wake up in the night and go i'm location locked <laughs> <laughs> that's a midlife crisis <laughs> um that's for that's for your lockdown yeah, yeah. Location <laughs> lockdown. Everyone is everyone is location lockdown. Location lockdown. <laughs> um, all right. Well, do we want to dive into some of these very, very nasty treacheries before we look into how we decided to defeat this? I mean, I've been yeah. dotting around some of my stories already, but... Um... Shall we start for Necromancer's Reach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know what? I don't I've never mentioned it. I don't think we've mentioned it enough on this podcast. Deal one damage to each exhausted character. You absolute heathen of a card. I'm putting that one away. <laughs> yeah, but let, in all seriousness, as mentioned before, Raus Falls, when that is the active location, forces you to exhaust and commit everyone to the quest. So if you've travelled to Raus Falls on one round, when you get to the next round, you will have to commit everyone. And then if you draw Necromancer's Pass, oh boy, that's nasty. The card actually does say Rauros Falls. It doesn't say it says everyone has to commit to the quest. Yeah. It doesn't say everyone has to exhaust and commit. Obviously, you do have to exhaust unless you've got something which stops you doing that. Absolutely. Which is a really useful... Uh, there are a couple of useful cards which prevent such things. Okay, well, can we just jump just to uh, another treachery then, which could also... I know what this one's going to be. <laughs> Which could also be, uh, just, you know, just to pick you up on that point of that you don't necessarily have to exhaust. Let's say you're at the Rowers Falls and my... Uh, I've used We Do Not Sleep, which cost me five resources. 
Until the end of the phase, Rohan characters do not exhaust to commit to quests. As we discussed last week, that's a very expensive card. When's that? Well, I'll tell you when it's useful. It's when you're at Rauros Fools and you have to commit everyone. But that's fine. (laughs) They're not exhausted. We're golden. Okay, well, (laughs) kudos to you for using it because I did promise to put it in my deck and I did. I put one copy in my deck. It did show up every time I played it. Do you know what I did every time I played it? You burned it with Eowyn? I burnt it with Eowyn. I looked at it and went, I need one more quest point. When am I ever going to play this piece of rubbish? I, I literally tutted you then. I don't think I've tutted, I don't think I've ever tutted anybody. <laughs> well, I feel honoured to be the first one. <laughs> like a 70 year old woman, 80 year old woman, old lady. Why a woman? Could be a bloke. <laughs> Just like an old person. <laughs> Tutting. You've gone full golem. I've gone full golem. <laughs> um, we tuts. No, yeah. Okay, then. Well, I will see your we do not sleep and I will raise you a rock slide. Oh, God. My friend, the rock slide. So the rock slide is a treachery which says, when revealed, deal two damage to each character committed to this quest. Do you see the word exhausted there? Because I don't. So... Back to what I was saying. If you happen to be at the Rowers Falls and you commit to the quest and you there's a rock slide, you're in trouble. The only other thing that can get you in trouble as well. Tell me. Is if you have Phaedrid and Eowyn. So you quest Eowyn and you quest Phaedrid to give Eowyn the extra resource. Yes. Right at the start of the game. And the first thing you get is rock slide. <laughs> and then on the second round... You do the exact same thing, and you get another rock slide. That's also really bad. Thing. Yeah, that's, 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 and that's that exactly what happened to me yesterday. Two rounds, halfway through round two, dead. Two of my heroes gone. Rock slides. I didn't have time to get any cards to stop. <laughs> and then to start of the next game, the first thing that happened with Necromancer Reach. I'm like, here we go again. It's. It's just so uh, horrible. Oh, that's just horrible. so wonderful. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, fun, it's like, you don't like things which get rid of your cards. No. I don't like things which affect exhausted or committed characters. No, no. That's the thing that gets me, obviously. Oh, I, don't, I, go, I, go, I take so much joy from these nasty, nasty treacheries. I don't know what's wrong with me. They are funny, babe. It is, it is funny. I mean, it's yeah, so horrible. At the, t- at the time, I'm mortified. I mean, two damage. But, but hearing your stories, it just fills my heart with joy. Yeah. <laughs> Pure Schadenfreude. It really is. It, it really is. <laughs> but I mean, but it's quite again, the theming of that is great, isn't it? Oh, it's wonderful. It's just it's a rock slide. It's proper dangerous. <laughs> Of course. Going to take some people out. In fact, there aren't many allies who are going to survive this, really. Well, I t- tell you what. This, if they're this... committed to a quest. No, 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 no. Uh, the rock side is particularly nasty. Uh, you've got to try and cancel that as best you can. Well, t- I'm talking about cancelling. Just going to go on to another treachery now. So I-, I knew as soon as we got to the treacheries, I would start going all guns blazing because this is really where the theme kicks in and this is just where this quest comes alive for me. So I had no, um, I had no locations in the staging area. So as a reminder, the first treachery card, which is drawn, if you have no locations in the staging area, 
it will gain surge. So I drew an evil storm. It's a treachery. And it says, when revealed, deal one damage to each character controlled by each player with a threat of 35 or higher. And I couldn't afford to take uh, one damage on each of my characters. I, I had a threat of 35 and higher. So luckily I had a test of will in my hand. So I cancelled it. But this was the first treachery to be revealed, so it gained surge. Next card out, rock slide. Two damage to each character committed to the quest. Just killed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Uh, question. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't spend long enough laughing at you. <laughs> but that raises a question. Yes. Here's, okay, here we go. So, if there are no location cards in the staging area, the first treachery card revealed during the quest phase gains surge. Correct. Does that mean that effectively that card has surge written on it at that point? Yes. So when you cancel it, that cancels the surge as well. Doesn't it? No, because the cancel a test of will cancels oh, the when revealed, revealed effect. When revealed effect, it doesn't remove the card. Yeah, yeah, of course, because when yeah, because test of will won't cancel the surge; it will just cancel the when revealed effect. Right? Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, unlike the only thing that really sort of cancels a surge is Tharlin. Tharlin, good old Tharlin. Yeah. If Tharlin kills an enemy as it's revealed and it has Surge on it, that enemy doesn't hit the uh, staging area, so therefore Surge doesn't trigger. Um, whilst we're going over r- sort of weird rules, uh, I'll jump to this now because this one I really had to delve deep into, so it's probably worth mentioning. And I, I w- we won't dwell on it for long. People just kind of have to take my word for it that I've done the I've done the legwork for them. Um. Oh, actually, we kind of need to go to the card first, actually. So there is another treachery called Impassable Chasm. And that says, when revealed, if there is an active location, remove all progress tokens from that location and return it to the staging area. Okay, we can discuss that as a treachery in a moment if you want to. But the important bit for this rule is the next bit. If no location is moved by this effect... This card gained Surge. Now, what happened to me was there was no active location and there were no locations in the staging area. So I revealed this treachery and that whole first section just didn't happen because there was no active location. But the second part does happen. If no location is moved by this effect, this card gained Surge. Okay, so I had to Surge. But it was also the first treachery card revealed from the encounter deck. Double surge. So, does the surge stack? No. And, no, the answer is yes. I'm afraid the answer is yes. It was answered by Nate French, who was the original designer of this game, way back in 2012 or 2013. Um, And the short answer is yes, it does surge. If there's any incidents of a card text being altered, and in this respect it is, it's gaining the word surge, that will happen no matter how many times that is it has happened to it. So it becomes like surge two. It becomes like surge two. Now, if you just uh, bear with me, I tried to look... I've got... What was I thinking? Why would, I thought, no, it would be the best no. case scenario. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. How, how naive. <laughs> um... 
if you just bear with me, I'm just going to bring up the fact. I tried to find a sort of specific reference to it, and I didn't. And this is the best I could come up with. And it is rule clarification 1.43. And it's modifiers of variable quantities. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and so this is in the fact. That's a new James Bond film, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, that's tickled me. I like that one. Okay. <laughs> Rule clarification 1.43. Modifiers of variable quantities. The game state constantly checks and... No, hang on. Wait a minute. It's one of these. The game state constantly checks and, brackets, if necessary, close brackets, updates the count of any variable quantity that is being modified. Anytime a new modifier is applied the entire quantity is recalculated, considering all active modifiers. Now, this, <laughs> I was thinking, was all about, like, if you're modifying uh, threat or attack or defense and all those things. That all makes sense. You know, you're, you're modifying it, it goes up, it down, and the game is constantly checking whether or not things have gone up, down, and whatever. Okay, but then it's the next line which is important. A quantity cannot be reduced below zero. A card cannot have negative cost, stats, keywords, etc. Now, the fact that it mentions keywords in this sentence about it can't be negative means that it must count keywords in that initial paragraph as well. So, like I say, it doesn't really matter. It's the closest thing I got to in the rule clarifications relating to this. Basically, it, all that matters is that Nate French did say, yes, it does stack. And that's all you should be aware of, that if you get surged twice, you get surged twice. Um, but right. this was just the closest thing I could get to in the rule clarification, which would mention basically that the game state constantly checks if your card is changing and you are allowed multiples of it. Right. <laughs> so basically... So this is my simple brain trying to process all that. That's basically just add them up. Yeah. And so <laughs> if, it, if it says surge and it also something else says that card gains surge, you surge twice, not just once. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then if your card, which surges, also has a surge, maybe the same thing happens there and you end up with four cards. Well, yeah, but actually, I mean, I think that I think the it would have been easier to have this discussion if one of the treacheries just had surge on it in the first place. But it, because then it would have been answered so clearly back yeah. in the day. Well, because it's the same it, thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because then it would have been super clear because it would have gone, well, this one has surge. And now the quest card is saying, I also have to surge. Do I have to do it twice? And it's only really the fact that this one gains surge and then does it gain surge again? And the answer is yes. Because actually, it wouldn't really be a question if it already had surge just written on it. It would just surge twice. Yeah. I guess it's because for Surge, we never see it written like Surge 2 or Surge 3 like we do no. with um, Doom or something like that. Um, I think it's, it's just, you know, if you did see it written like that, it would I think it would just be obvious, wouldn't it? So I think maybe yeah. that's a way to think about it. Just, yeah. 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 It, it's just, it just feels a bit abstract because you have to gain Surge and then gain Surge. Yeah. So, yeah, but it just is what it is. And it was just an interesting one that cropped up. So... Sorry for making it more confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's clear. <laughs> it was clear until I delved into the official rule clarification. 
yeah. which has the word clarification in. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't mention it in the inserts sheet. <laughs> and poor Jeremy would be in all kinds of trouble. Oh, no. Okay. Um, there is one other treachery. Oh, really? Have we gone? To, oh, uh, go on, go ahead. There's, there's one more, which is called slick footing, which is a hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, impassable chasm is also a hazard, as is rock slide. These are all hazard cards. So, an impassable chasm, by the way. Why would you even attempt it? The clue is in the name. It's impassable. It's not maybe passable, is it? Yeah. Well, you yeah you have to. I mean, you have to go complete different route. Uh, that's that's the theme of that, isn't it? It's return yeah. to the staging area. It's like you're right. It's not location. It's a treachery. It's an impassable chasm. Go the other way. Yeah. And you've lost your progress that you made. You've got to go back and go somewhere else. You're absolutely right. It, the theme is absolutely perfect. Oh, it's impassable. It. You've lost your progress. Go the other way. Yeah. So go on. Sorry, I interrupted you. What's the, what, no, was, no, the, uh, what was the last uh, one? Uh, the last one is slick footing, which has it. And it has a when revealed effect. Remove one progress token from each location in play. Then discard the top card of each player's deck for each progress token removed by this effect. So you can you can get lucky with this one. You might not happen to have any progress, but you could be in that situation where if you're doing things like using trackers or, or what have you, you could end up with three or four locations losing all of their progress. You know, so um, and and then on top of that, you lose those cards as well. Yeah. Uh, for each progress token. Yeah. You know, you could lose a lot. You could lose ten cards on the you know on that treachery. Yeah, I actually got very lucky with this. I only it only once made me lose uh, a progress token, and it was only one progress token, so therefore only one card. And all the other times, it happened just by chance to crop up when I had no progress on any locations. So, <laughs> bully for me. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out nice again. <laughs> just a lovely day in Emin Mill. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like I said a bit earlier, I know this has been a bit of a scattergun approach to how we discussed this uh, quest, but like I said earlier, this quest really comes alive with the treacheries for me. The locations are great and they are, of course, what you are exploring, but for the sort of theme and the idea of why this is difficult is all brought to life for me personally by the treacheries that happen whilst you're treading through these uh these hills yeah i i i love the whole feel to this quest i mean do, do we want to talk about our kind of decks and what we did to defeat yeah. it first or, or before we yeah let's do that before we talk about our overall impressions sure 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 um so last time we said that we both put together rohan decks indeed we did and i put together a rohan deck as did i and I used probably the same three heroes. I think they were the only available Rohan heroes, which are Dunhir, Eowyn, and Feardred. Oh, no. No. Oh, goodness. Who's, See, the, other, who's the other one? I knew, I knew I'd take you by surprise straight <laughs> off the bat. I, um, I did make a Rohan deck, but I, uh, I kicked Feardred to the side. <gasps> and who, did you, who came in his stead? Well, I figured it had to be a man on a horse, because otherwise it makes no sense. Otherwise, he'd be just running behind everybody else. So I brought Prince Imrahil in. 
He's Gondor. He is, but he could still be in my deck. It was still a Rohan deck. It was chock-a-block. Yeah, well, you have not kept the purity of the bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do, do you know what I have kept? I have kept... Well, not your honour. I have kept... <laughs> and not your word, either. You haven't kept a lot. What did you keep, John? <laughs> I have kept Prince Imrahil's response, which is after a character leaves play, ready Prince Imrahil. And what's that got to do with Rohan? <laughs> they leave all the time. <laughs> they do. Oh, my goodness. This guy, this guy was getting dizzy from being on his side to standing upright. I mean, limit once per round. Wow. <laughs> That is that is that has shocked and surprised me. It's thrown you, hasn't it? I didn't tell you in the week because I knew this. I I would see this look on your face. I, I'm a bit shocked, but I'm more disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our decks are different to start with, with the heroes. So should we quickly? I know first of all because we're not going to bore the listener by going through our entire deck, but yeah. actually we are. But just rapid fire because i'm just curious to see okay. how different they were okay. but for a start i want to know how many cards were in your deck have a guess well i'm guessing well let, let's start with the simple things it was over 50 oh obviously <laughs> i mean yeah that was an open goal wasn't it <laughs> All right. okay so let's say i don't think you went crazy well i think you i think under 60. Well, I'll tell you what it was. It was <laughs> okay. it was 63. Oh no. At first. Okay. But then yesterday I decided to play the same deck but take out the Lorian guides and the Northern trackers I had in there. So I ended up with 50 whatever it was, 57 whatever it is. Um and because when I completed it, so I had it was all Rohan, I had all the Rohan cards. Yeah. Uh, basically everything in, so Dunhir and Eowyn are spirit Fedred is, is leadership every single card in here is spirit card apart from Gandalf Snowborn Scout Sneak Attack and Valiant Sacrifice and everything else is spirit Stuart of Gondor my friend I didn't have Stuart of Gondor I, 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 did, did you just call him Stuart? <laughs> Stuart of Gondor <laughs> Kevin of Rohan. No, <laughs> um, I, I think I did, yeah. No, so I decided to go not with the Stuart of Gondor. I, I even considered not playing Gandalf. I actually was very glad, but I went against that in the end. Um, but I ended up with a shed load of resource. Oh, yeah. And that's because... I can't move for a resource on this quest. Yeah, so I didn't need the um, Stuart of Gondor. So Fairdred, I was committing to a quest every time getting an additional resource to Erwin, who's also pretty much committing every time. Dunhir could attack people in the staging area. I did my old favourite thing of trying to keep my threat down and trying to use Dunhir as much as possible. If there was someone really nasty, Dunhir could bash him a couple of times and bring in a sneak attack on Gandalf or something like this. Um, so I was keeping threat down with things like Galadrim's greeting, really, and sometimes Gandalf's uh, ability too. But really, what I was really trying to do, though, was really get it Rohan focused so when I first did it I realized that actually with especially with the northern trackers I was getting through things in the staging area not really utilizing the you know it felt felt like I wasn't really being true to Rohan 
And also, I mean, I didn't put any of the trackers in. I actually think they're unnecessary because Rohan has so much questing ability that you can just travel to these locations and burn through them. Well, I mean, I earlier on, I was talking about how I ended up with um, Amon Hen yep. in the staging area for the, um, for the whole game. And I was waiting for, I couldn't get Viridamark's Finest out of the deck and when i finally did i used the combination of uh Ridamark's finest ability which places two progress tokens on any location but you have to discard yeah. exhaust and discard Ridamark's finest in a combination with ride to ruin ride to ruin which which costs one but again you have to discard rohan ally and place free progress tokens on any location so that but you were just was, you were just building up, waiting for that combination. I was just well, or another ride to ruin. Uh, it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't want to travel there because I was in a position where if I got you know um, a bad treachery, I could you know I had I think I had Eowyn and Feodred had had some damage on them, and Eowyn's only got three uh, hit points. So I was, you know, as soon as everyone's got one hit point on her, then you're, you know, panic. and also you end up with nothing in the staging area once you've traveled there. So then if you get a rock slide, that can just decimate you right at the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I, was, I was just being cautious, really. But during all that time, your threats slowly start to go up and the rest of it. Yeah. But it was much more satisfying beating it with the pure kind of Rohan deck, if you like. Sure. Yeah, I mean, my deck was nearly entirely Rohan. I mean, I, I mean, I had a fifty card deck. It will come as a surprise to you. <laughs> um, I did find. I mean, just a little follow on from last episode. I put in one Elf Helm as I said I was going to do, which is a four cost Rohan ally, and he has a response after your threat is raised as the result of questing unsuccessfully or by an encounter or quest card effect, reduce your threat by one. I as long as he's ready, as long as he's ready. Um, and let me just read that one more time. Oh, yeah. Well, he's ready. I could say, where's it say he's ready? It's at the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Alfham, he, he says, uh, whilst Alfham is ready, he gains response after your threat is raised as a result of questing unsuccessfully or by an encounter or quest card effect, reduce your threat by one. And actually, I found him more useful than Aemond, who I had two of. And Eamon's response is after Eamon leaves play, ready or Rohan characters in play, which is still powerful. But I wasn't... There was so few times I needed to get two uses out of a character. I mean, the occasional nasty enemy. Um, what I was finding was more useful for readying was Prince Imrahil that... Um, um, what, I was, what I was doing... I would, um, with Imrahil, I would play out the Riddermark's Finest, like you say. So they have uh, the ability to either quest for two, I think, just on their own anyway. Or you can exhaust and discard them to put two quest tokens on any location. Yeah. Is that right? They quest for, yeah, I think that's right, but they quest for one. Not oh, two, they quest for one. That's right. They quest for one, or you can exhaust and discard it and put two progress tokens on any location. That's so it. very powerful. They're... they're you can just keep them there as a little extra willpower or like you say, you can just sort of clear a location in the staging area if you like by just uh, discarding them. So I would play them out and not do anything with them. And then I would quest with Eleanor and Imrahil. So I'd be questing for six. Eowyn. 
sorry. Yeah. So I'd quest with I've written I don't know. I would quest with Eowyn and Imrahil. So that I was questing for six. And then at that point, I would discard the Riddermark's finest. So before staging. So the Riddermark's finest would go. I could put two progress on a location which was in the staging area, which would hopefully be one which would clear it and give me some victory points. That process of discarding the Riddermite's Finance would allow me to ready Imrahil. So then I would have Imrahil ready so he wouldn't be affected by the Necromancer's reach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would still be questing for six and probably with nothing in the uh, staging area at that point. And then I was also, I had Valiant Sacrifice in my deck. So what I was doing was Playing out Riddermark's Finest, questing with Eowyn and Imrahil, discarding the Finest, placing two, getting that location gone, readying Imrahil, playing Valiant Sacrifice, drawing two cards. And that was even before staging. And that little combination of Rohan with that little touch of Gondor there going on was really, really nice. And and um, I like I said, I really found that I was just completely in control of the staging area by doing things like that, that I didn't really need much... Uh, um, once I got past my questing stage, I didn't really need the guys to be doing anything else, you know, really. I mean, and for instance, I had in my hand um, the Westfold Horsebreaker, and it was he has an action, discard the Westfold Horsebreaker to choose and ready a hero. I didn't need him. I, mean, I know we'd said we'd just play all the Rohan characters. I just didn't need him because I, I was getting everyone I needed ready by playing the Riddermark's Finest and regging Imrahil if I needed to fight. Um, but I tell you who was brilliant, as we suspected, and that was the West Road Traveller. Cost of two, uh, quest for two, which is great on its own. Only one hit point, so it's going to be killed by the uh, Necromancer's Reach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... After you play the West Road Traveller from your hand, switch to the active location of any other location in the staging area. So that was great. Just playing her out, switching the location with one which had a very nasty travel effect. So I didn't have to do that travel effect. And actually what happened, which was kind of great in its own way, I'd play her out, switch the location to get to the the nasty travel effect location into the into the uh, as the active location exhaust her to quest because you know two willpower is great um i would get you know nine times out of ten a nasty treachery which would kill her she would go i would ready imrahil again blimey <laughs> play valiant sacrifice two more cards so you're so you're sacrificing <laughs> you're gleefully sacrificing this poor lady restaurant traveler so you can get two cards well, I wasn't doing it on purpose. And you're hap- happy and pleased with this. I was very <laughs> pleased when it happened, but I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't do it on purpose, I said, as they dragged me away. <laughs> no, but but I would say, I think when you're playing with um, a Rohan-based deck, which I think we've both done for the first time here, I think it's interesting we both put Valiant Sacrifice in our decks and obviously the Ancient Mathon as well. I think the ability to get the cards out becomes quite important, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one quick thing on Ancient Mathem, actually, is uh, don't put it on Amon Hem. Or is it the other one? It's Amon Law. Well, the, oh, when the attachments don't have any... <laughs> well, okay. 
All right, riddle, riddle me this. It's, it's Amon Law. While Amon Law is the active location, treat yes. all attachments as if their printed text boxes were blank. So, ancient mathom, you attach it, the words are now blank. Correct. Okay, right. You now explore Amon Law. Yes. Is Amon Law now the active location? It is explored. Okay, read out what it says on ancient mathem. <laughs> is this one of the things where you get to choose the order? It should be. But okay, let's see. Amon Law says, while Amon Law is the active location, treat all attachments as if their printed text boxes were blank. And what ancient mathem says is attached to a location, response is after attached location is explored, the first player draws three cards. So you've completed Amon Law. At that moment, you put the progress tokens on there. The attachment is blank underneath it, ancient mathom. Yeah. You let your hand go. Oh, Amon Law must now leave the game. <laughs> when does it cease to be that? Oh, that's a weird one. It's explored, but it's not dis... Ah, oh, it's a, it is a good one. Yeah, I, I, I never did. I mean, I never come across that, but I mean, it's worth knowing, isn't it? I would think you can do that in the order you wish i th- i think i think it's still blank because i think it only ceases to be the active location oh it's a good one but it says responses after attached location is explored it doesn't say as is it it's it's explored or when it doesn't say when it says after but attached is it location explored whilst it's the active location but yeah but it doesn't matter because it says after attached location is explored how long after? Yeah, I was gonna say not point one seconds. It's really it's really funny. So yeah, that is a bit I don't know. That, that's that's one for the lawyers out there, isn't it? Uh, that's a loophole. That's a loophole one, I think. <laughs> but something yeah, I mean probably the answer is you don't get it, but it's it's um I mean, ancient mathem really comes into its own in a quest like this. You can play it just before you've exp- gonna explore a location. There's so many of them. Uh, you can generally, you know, as soon as you get Ancient Mathem in your hands, likely you're going to get those free cards sooner rather than later. Okay. I, so I, I, I've... <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot... I've looked it up. There's a lot of discussion. <laughs> Are you kidding? I thought this would be some... <laughs> never, never been done before case, but obviously not. <laughs> okay. So here is the official response. I've not read it yet. I've just looked it up. Here's the official response. Players immediately lose the game. (laughs) This is actually fascinating. Oh, God. (laughs) Go on in. Well, I've only read the first sentence, but this is the bit I find fascinating. I don't know what the second sentence is going to say. Mathum cannot be placed on Amon Law while it is the active location as the attachment text would be blank and thus preventing it from being attached. That's incredible. That's brilliant. Oh, attached to a location. You can't because it's blank. Yeah. So that that's incredible. So you can't even attach it because you're, you can't even play that attachment. Because it's blank. It says attached to a location, but it doesn't say that. It's blank. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, so, so that's step one. You can't do it if it's already the active location. Great. Okay. Sentence number two. I have no idea what's coming. It can be placed whilst in the staging area. Yeah, we know that. And if Amon Law gets explored, even if it subsequently becomes the active location, the Mathem will become alive. 
in quotations, and cards can be drawn. There you so go. So there you go. It, you get, yeah. So that something good happened. <laughs> that is cunning, though. <laughs> that one about not being able to play it. Uh, that is exactly the kind of thing that I always miss. Yeah. It's so easy. So, oh, yeah, of course. But then you read the response. Of course, it's so obvious. It's blank. Yeah. You can't play it. I mean, you can't yeah. play it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. But as human beings being told that little box of words, you can't see that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's tough. That's quite difficult. Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, I think you'll naturally think that it's just any effect it has. Yeah. You wouldn't automatically think, well, it says attached to a location, but that's blank as well. That wouldn't come to your head. It's more of a response, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but actually, that's, that is very interesting, actually. And I'm wondering, I don't think I inadvertently cheated with this, but let's say Amon Law is yes, the active location. Well, yes, maybe I did. I've decided you did. <laughs> the score is now 38 to 1. <laughs> um, but I'm wondering if Amon Law was the active location, if I ever played an ancient math onto a different location. I certainly didn't play it onto Ammon Law, but I wonder if I did play it onto a different location in the staging area at any point. While Ammon Law was the active location. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, maybe I did. Ah, but yeah. Doesn't matter. Okay. One, one, for, one for the pack. <laughs> Funnily enough, this quest, I always had a soft spot for this quest because the first time I completed it, was really the first time I kind of used some kind of lateral thinking um, to complete it and some card effects, etc. I had to pull off some kind of ridiculous move right at the end. And what it was, was I had one location in the staging area, but it wasn't active. And it was basically my last go because I was going to fret out. But And if I managed to complete that one in the staging area, it would have meant that I'd have 19 out of the 20 points required to win. So I was a bit like crestfallen. Oh, I got so close. But then I started thinking about what I had in my hand. This, and the reason that this stuck in my mind was because I think this was a real stepping stone for me learning how to play this game, I think. Uh, so so what I, I had a Dwarven Tomb. So I brought out an ancient Mavum and played that on the one in the staging area. And I knew that with my trackers, which I had, I could complete that when I committed them to the quest. Nice. So I did that. And then I thought, and the reason I played the mathem on it was because my only chance of winning was because I thought it through and thought, well, if I get, I have to complete that with my trackers. But then if I get another location off the encounter deck, which is worth, well, it's going to be worth at least one victory point. Yeah then I have to complete that one as well. But how can I complete it? And I knew that I had strength of will still in the deck. And strength of will allows you to exhaust a spirit character when you travel to a location and place two progress on that location. Yeah. And it was a bit lucky as well, but I got the strength of will. I got the location off the off the deck and I travelled there. I forget I needed two to complete it and I managed to and I managed to do it. So literally I'd had forty nine fret as well. So <laughs> so and that, that was months ago, you know, but that always stuck in my head that that happened on this quest. And and that was the first time I'd pulled off a move like that. Well when when you had to think through what all the possibilities were 
and then give it a go and, it, and you know, nine times out of ten that wouldn't come off right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but it's such a sweet feeling oh it was the best that's why i haven't forgotten it you know <laughs> and, it, and 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 I, and I remember thinking at the time for you know it was only through practice of playing the game and really starting to understand it that that kind of thing then suddenly starts popping into your head whereas you know in previous weeks before that you know i, I wouldn't have had a wouldn't have had a, had a clue i would probably would have given up at that point or just played it through and lost you know yeah yeah i know that sounds great i mean yeah i yeah i mean it 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 is moments like that which do take hold of your not just your head about how you're working out but your heart because it, it's such an emotive feeling to beat a quest like that and when you're sort of sucked into the game is why i think this game takes hold of you so much and then it's like when you get that sort of almost eureka moment you know that you're in trouble. You're you're gonna find every AP that's ever been released for this. Yeah, if I think it kills you. That was it. I think I think that was it. So that that's exactly it, and that that's why this quest will always have a bit of a, a special place. Because I'm guessing this quest is one that probably, I mean, there's hardly any combat. No, and there is some. You know, um, I, I would suspect that it's one that certain percentage of people probably a bit like yeah not bothered about this quest too much oh yeah well no well no that's interesting because when it first got released and i only know this in hindsight from because i you know i read everything and you know listen to old podcast things i know this from hindsight when it first got released it was definitely um i wouldn't say it was shunned but it was definitely a disappointment it was like oh this quest is just we're just looking in some hills from Gollum, <laughs> you know, and nothing really happened. And I, I definitely think there was um, a, a, quite a lot of negativity, as in this is definitely classed as the worst quest in this first cycle, or at least, oh, least really? at least the least exciting. Uh, and for me, I don't have that because I do think it's beautifully thematic, and I do enjoy going through it. Um, I have two points on it. One, I find it, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I find it pretty easy to beat, especially after having some really, really tough quests. And then I have to try and put this into context, is if I was there in 2012 or 2013, whenever it was this one came out, and these APs were only coming out once a month, once every two months, and we're right at the beginning of the game, and you had waited for the next quest, and it was this one, and you could just basically kind of sail through it, and then nothing really happened. I can understand why there might be animosity towards it um, at that time. I mean, for me and for you, we can play it, we can enjoy it, because we know we've got another 20, 30, 40 quests sat on our shelf, ready to go. <laughs> it's like, we can play this tonight, and tomorrow we can play the next one. Or we can play this a few times, and tomorrow we can play the next, you know. So I can imagine why this felt a little bit underwhelming, but... I think in hindsight, it's actually a beautiful... It's a small quest. It's an understated quest. But it is it, but it is beautiful, I think. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think it is a... It's different to the other ones. And the, the other thing I really liked about it... So maybe this goes... You know, I think this does feed into what you're saying about uh, having all the quests available from a, a cycle or... 
um, you know, you know that I quite get into the cycle. Once I'm into a, a particular cycle, I like to sort of get through them because I quite enjoy yeah. the overarching story. Then I can kind of stop at the end and go back and redo stuff. And uh, well, obviously, I was I wasn't passing the quests first time or whatever, but I was generally playing them kind of back to back. So I was following the story, and this one just fits so beautifully as part of the story as well. And it is, oh I mean, yeah, you say it's a like a small quest, but it's it's got that kind of there, there's almost an aspect of not monotony, but that kind of constant, just that grind of a long journey, basically, while while you're playing it. And actually, when you put it in the context of the uh, of of the whole cycle, it just it tells the story. Uh, perfectly so i i I really enjoy that part of it as well but yeah i i I can imagine why it wouldn't appeal to everybody and i can see why you know people would think you know if they've waited two months for it and that was uh, and and something like this came along which is very different uh yeah and you know you've got two more months till the next yeah yeah i i i get that so i I guess from i can only really talk from my perspective where basically just sort of hoarded all of the <laughs> all of the adventure packs hoard of the rings <laughs> yes that's a, that's another one <laughs> we don't talk about that either john um, <laughs> that's the person who bought everything <laughs> yes absolutely. all memorabilia <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> But no, I, I I went back to this quest and enjoyed it every time I replayed it, and I played it quite a few times actually in the last few little couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, it's big big fun. Yeah, you're right. It's not a massive challenge, but it's a, it's a definitely a thumbs up from me. Well, do you know what I really enjoyed? And it wasn't so much the quest itself. I did enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. But what I really enjoyed was this Rohan deck that I put oh, together. Yeah. Oh my god, so so good. Yeah. I had a ball with these guys um and but i i would say that i was a because they really sailed through this quest for me i played it four times and it was four for four for me i mean occasionally it was a little tough don't get me wrong you're you're gonna enjoy even more when you do a proper rohan deck (laughs) (laughs) um so i'm gonna hold that over you now Um, but the thing is, no, no, no. I now want to take these guys to the, not necessarily to the next quest, but I want to take them out somewhere else. And You'll really take them through the cycle. A, I want to take them, give them a bit of a challenge somewhere because I felt that they really, and, and also because I kind of knew what this quest was going to throw at us because, you know, it's written in the insert. Um, I knew I didn't need that much attacking in there. So there isn't, there isn't much might in this deck. So, but I'm looking forward to refining this deck to balance it, to have a bit more of an attacker rather than just Prince Imrahil. And just to see how far I can take this deck because it was really great fun. And like you say, like those little moments of like concluding this quest where I needed sort of three or so more or three or four more victory points and just knowing, oh, well, here come a couple of locations which have enough victory points for me to win the game. My threat's getting a bit high. I really don't want to get involved with uh, the active location. And then just being able to play right, like two Ride of Ruins out of my hand and just discarding heroically like my two best Rohan characters. But that is enough to, yeah. to explore those two locations in the staging area and therefore win the, win the game. Yes, it's simple because it's a, almost an easy win, but it felt great. And it, exactly. it showed the power of this deck. And 
the power of these guys of, for exploring these locations and therefore it all sort of fitted perfectly in for the whole the whole experience was beautiful exactly i think that's ex- well yeah that's that's the point it's the experience of it and it's interesting that and you did this as well is that when i it felt better when i took out the absolute staples so northern tracker lorian guide i mean you put them in almost real staples of spirit but it was it was i really enjoyed not having them this time even though they're possibly two of my favorite cards in the whole thing and also my other, one of my other favorite cards Stuart of uh, Stuart of Gondor Stuart. I don't know I was going to call it Stuart of Gondor now <laughs> Stuart of Gondor yeah Stuart of Gondor yep I think this is the first time I've played a leadership hero and not put in the Stuart of Gondor and I didn't miss it it was great I, I just loved playing with the cards I love there. the fact that you, you decided to take out Stuart of Gondor, yet you still weren't down. You, you know, when I'm trying to get down to 50 cards, I'm going, well, I can't get rid of Stuart of Gondor, so what should I get rid of? Yet you still managed to have like 57 cards. No Stuart of Gondor. What did you have in there? <laughs> well, <I'll> t- <laughs> Just random lore cards. Okay. Well, what I had was I had three. I put in three of every Rohan card. Oh, that's a mistake for a start. I had three Gandalfs and uh, it, there's no point having three of every um, Rohan card if you're going to have Mustering of the Rohirrim in there. Because Mustering of the Rohirrim allows you to look through the first top 10 cards of your deck and choose a Rohan ally and put it in. So ah. you could just play that out and just find the cards you need. But no, because Elfhelm, I sacrificed Elfhelm, and on the next go, I played Elfhelm. <laughs> and that felt really good as well. Yeah, that's nice. That's <laughs> nice. Um, so the ones I put in, I put in, I did have hasty stroke. I probably could have got away without having hasty stroke, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I had three hasty strokes and didn't play it once. You know, uh, I think I did play it literally once, but you know, I probably could have got away with not having that. Um, I did have test of will too, but you know, you always want to have a test of will. <laughs> oh no, test. Yeah, if you're not playing test of will, then um, you're not playing this game correctly. And then, yeah, I think the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only other two non well apart from Mathem of course but that was in the cycle I think the only other yeah. two non Rohan cards I had were the Galatrium's Greeting yeah I didn't bother but you know Threat doesn't bother me <laughs> and yeah and Unexpected Courage which to be honest I probably could have got away of not having that either to be honest I, I ditched Unexpected Courage which is close to a test of will as an always have uh, and I, I ditched it because I had Imrahil and Westfold Horsebreaker. So I decided to keep Westfold Horsebreaker for to keep the Rohan theme. And I didn't didn't use him either. Yeah. Um, so I just just quickly, I mean, we're going to wrap this up in a second, but just quickly just to rattle through if there's any sort of, I mean, I only put one Elf Helm in, only put one Aemond in. Yeah, I had pretty much three of all the other allies. Um, I had two I Am Nora Strangers, um, <laughs> but I put one on Imrahil. Didn't didn't do anything with it. I put one on Gandalf. Oh, and did it work out? It well to do. We we do not sleep. And <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> it was great. It did work out. Uh, that was that was a round that won me the game last night. <laughs> um, I had one astonishing speed because I think it's too expensive. I don't think I ever used it. Um, I thought mustering of the Rohirrim was fantastic. Three of them. I had three ride to ruins. I thought that was fantastic. I had three Valiant Sacrifices. That was perfect. I had one We Do Not Sleep. That went to Eowyn every single time. And I had three Sneak Attacks and three Gandalfs. And 
You know what I'm going to say, don't you? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, you remember when I said <laughs> that it's quite handy to keep a location in the staging area which doesn't have victory points because then your treacheries don't gain surge? So I capped Necromancer's Pass there because I'm not going to travel there because it forces you to discard two cards at random. I mentioned this a mere hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, I had nine cards in my hand and I thought, well, do you know what? Actually, it's probably best just to get it out. Just get rid of it, you know, just in case. I I don't want to get into a situation where I'm location locked and I'm really going to kick myself. So I traveled there, discarded two cards from my hand at random, sneak attack, Gandalf, you can't make this up. <laughs> it's not random, though. Because once it says that, it's impossible. You can't do it random because it is going to be sneak attack and Gandalf. <laughs> there is only one Lord of the Ring, and he does not share power. And that guy just. <laughs> oh. <Ooh. laughs> that is vicious. Uh, it, it, happen, oh. it happens every time. It's amazing, isn't it? It will be the worst possible cards to go. It's unbelievable. And uh, listener John actually did send me the photo of that in disgust. <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh, it's it, it, it shouldn't be possible. It, uh, anyway, okay, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I, I, the only time I mention it again is if it does happen again. So I'll be mentioning it every week. <laughs> We'll have a section for it in the show. So anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. Rant over there. Um, well, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. In in summary, like, I don't think there's much more to say. I mean, I, I really I really do enjoy it based on the experience it gives me. I, I do understand people that have a sort of a, a less uh, enthusiastic um feeling towards this quest but sure i get it and and there are quests that i prefer over others for sure there are and it's your your there's no right or wrong answer you're allowed to not like a quest but for me i i really had a good time in it yeah same here yeah very much enjoyed it okay well i'm uh i'm i'm exhausted <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be our short podcast i believe of course it was because there's only one quest card how long could it be yeah <laughs> We didn't even go off on tangents. No, it's very, 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 very upsetting. Um, No, but unless you have anything else you want to add, I think we can pretty much wrap this up. Uh, No, I think that's covered everything. Okay, that's great. Well, um, well, all that leads me to say then is there are a few ways to get in touch with us if you if you wish to. We have our Twitter feed, which is at Later the Rings. You can get in touch with us directly via email on LaterTheRings at gmail.com. And there is the Lady of the Rings thread on BoardGameGeek, which, as ever, there will be a link to in the show notes. So, next week, we'll be back to the player cards. I'm not sure which sphere we're doing yet, but it will be either law or leadership. But we hope you can join us. And so all it leaves me to say is, once again, thanks for listening, and take care of that. Goodbye. Bye.